0: You're listening to The Grind, 100.9 FM, 850 AM, Rocky Top Sports.
1: And good Wednesday to you and welcome inside the WKVL studios of Rocky Top Sports. I'm Wayne Kaiser alongside Carson Crouch and Troy Provo-Heron on the telephone as we grind it out here on a Wednesday edition. Welcome in, Carson. Welcome in, Troy.
2: Yeah, Wayne, I wish I could be there like I was last week, but uh, a brother had a state bowling tournament back home in Florida, uh, so I had to to go watch him play. And I want to give a quick shout out to uh, Timber Creek High School's bowling team.
1: Out of way, out of way, exactly, and yeah. uh, and and now, now we're uh, we're grinding across state lines, so that's uh, that's always fun. <laughs>
2: <It's> always fun.
1: <laughs> but Troy, how you been? Otherwise, I know uh, I know the uh, the high school football season came to a close there last Friday night, as as the Rebels and the Tornadoes uh, will have an opportunity to kind of go on and do some do some things in the postseason. Uh, Heritage, William Blunt. Of course, we'll uh, we'll we'll close up shop for 2020. But uh, what's uh, what's the weekend looking like for Troy?
2: What's the weekend looking like for me? Well, actually, I'm on vacation this week,
0: so oh, that man. is uh,
2: the nice thing. It's nice over down here. It's uh, like a, a high of 79, low of 72 type of Florida week. So it's kind of perfect. Uh, but I, I only had uh, X amount of days to get my last vacation in before I lost it, so I took it this week.
1: I I hear you. Go ahead and get it out of the way. Week number one, because hopefully uh, yes. those that impact will be be available there. Week two. Yep.
2: Wayne, you've called plenty of uh, high school football playoff games in your <laughs> career. Uh, you know how we. You know how round one goes.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, I hope. I hope. I feel like. Uh, I feel <laughs> like the uh, the rebels drew a drew a high card there. Uh, with Science Hill coming to town I, I think they uh, they were a little limited there against Bearden and the the Bulldogs pulled one out but uh, let's talk about those matchups Alcoa has Johnson County uh, I'm I'm mm-hmm. looking at this and I'm sitting here going yeah yeah sure uh, that's that's gonna be fun for somebody uh, but probably yeah. not Johnson County.
2: No, no. Then their their prize is hey, you made it to the playoffs. You get that nice little like number and like when you go like to the TWSAA championship history page, like they'll tell you that they made it to the playoffs, and then that's about all they're going to be remembered for this season. is making it to the playoffs. This one's going to be over pretty quickly.
1: Yeah, I, I think exactly right. And 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 you know we talked about it. What was it Monday, Carson? We yeah. talked about the the whole reallocation, the realignment. And the possibility of Alcoa shifting or or not, and really, Coach Rankin's really really holding that that uh, that card tight to the cuff until the announcement's made. What is it? The twelfth?
2: I believe so. Yes.
1: But uh, I, I don't know that there's a team in three A that that can battle with Alcoa. Johnson County is just the next one uh, to to I guess uh, run into the Tornadoes.
2: Yeah, I mean, like last year, coming. I mean, Pearl Coma's was a really good team. Um, but they didn't score against Alcoa. We talked about this last week. It's like, yeah, you're a good team, and you're the second-best team in 3A, but there's such a large margin behind the best team in 3A, which is Alcoa, and the second-best team in 3A. And as anybody who knows football knows, you can't win a game if you don't score any points, and Procum didn't do that last year, and I don't see why that would change this year. Although Isaiah Cox is out for the season, I think that puts a little bit of maybe, you know, some adversity I'll kill his way, but they obviously have enough talent on the defensive end to make up for his loss.
1: Yeah, I think absolutely. But uh, but talking a little bit about the Rebels' draw, they they drew Science Hill. Uh, Science Hill, uh, again, uh, a team that, that if you look at them a few weeks ago, uh, they were upset in Dobbins Bennett, and you're like, this is, uh, this is a Science Hill team that's getting right at the right time. And then, then they kind of have some, uh, I believe, some COVID protocol that takes some of their key players away. And now their uh, they're, they're grand prize for week number one is getting to come to Maryland. Yep.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's a, obviously a tough draw. But uh, I actually got off the phone with Derek Hunt a little bit you know, a few hours ago, and he said, look, our message to the guys is as simple as this. They are one win away, and in a healthy team – one went away from being the number one seed in that region. We cannot overlook them. This is not the same science Hill team that we beat in the first round last year. They're a much better group, he feels like. Uh, their quarterback brings a level of dynamism that I don't think that Maribel has seen much of this year. And so that's something they're going to have to contend with and not overlook science Hill just because, oh, it's another first round matchup against a four seed from that region. That's a really good region over there. So one, two, four are four good teams. And, obviously, Science Hill was good enough to win the whole thing. It just didn't play out that way in week 11.
3: Yeah, and,
1: and you know, I, I look at Science Hill's schedule. I see that they, they lost to Farragut. That's a team that, that Maryville was able to handle uh, pretty well. But but I think Coach Hunt, and, again, I'll, I'll talk to him as the week progresses as well, but I, I think he, he understands that his team isn't the same team that saw this Science Hill team late last year. Uh, as well defensively, and then as as well uh, having to do some things offensively. That's that, that's just a little different. But I like what they what they did last week, finishing up the regular season with Noah Vaughn getting a little bit more in invested and, and a little bit more involved in the offense. But I also like the uh, the the lockdown guy in the middle for for the defense, Lou Birchfield. I think those two pieces really kind of put mariville in a different tier. I think. Maryville can play a clean brand of football they win this football game pretty easy but a few miscues which we've seen early in games yep. this season uh Maryville could have a battle on their hands yeah
4: I mean yeah. you look at Bearden and uh Bearden we struggled a little bit early uh, just with some miscues on that offense uh kind of uh, like talking issues we weren't getting on the same page with each other and I think that could happen with Scientelia like uh like, you can't overlook this Science Hill team. I mean, they made the playoffs. They can beat teams like Dobbins Bennett. They can beat teams um, that are underdogs. They're normally underdogs. So we'll have to see what they can do. We can't overlook them. I think that's got to be said this week. And I think uh, we'll come out on top of the win.
2: Yeah, I, I feel like, you know, and talking to Derek Hunt, the Science Hill puts a lot of people in the box. They're going to try and stop Parker McGill and force Carson Jones to beat them. I don't know if that's the best plan of action because Carson Jones is so dang efficient, like you said, Wayne. I think if you're with Science Hill, you kind of want to force Maryland to turn the ball over a little bit. And everything I've seen from Carson Jones says he's not going to do that. Um, so I think that's maybe an interesting thing to look at is how, you know, Carson plays.
0: Yeah.
1: Hey. This
2: just This is a good Science Hill team.
1: Yeah, and, and, and I think it's just it's it's a fun chess match to watch. You know, sometimes people show up to Marvel and they're playing checkers while the Rebels play chess. But I, I think, you, you know, you look at it and uh, it, it's it's going to be an interesting dynamic. If they load the box, can Markel Fortenberry, can Nick Daigle, can that, that group of guys make the difference and, and allow, you know, Marvel Carson Jones to kind of stretch the defense back? Or is it one of those deals to where they try to play balanced they try to cover the back end, and Parker, Noah, Craig Hilliard, and company uh, really just just run all over them.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think you, and I, I appreciate you. You obviously must have read my story on Noah Vaughn today. Uh, well, he the other times
1: he I uh, have but, not yet, but I probably will. But he is the reigning Rebel Radio Player of the Game.
4: Yep.
2: Yeah, I mean, <laughs> the the way he's kind of come on these last five weeks of the season, I mean, I think he is. I think he leads the team in receptions over the last five weeks. He's second in receiving yards, and he's tied for first in touchdowns. He's really become an, an excellent playmaker for this team. I think that's something that Hill has to and to But you also mentioned, you know, Dagle, Thornton, Barry, all those guys. They have to show up today because I think Sainteel is going to try and take Parker Miguel away. And if you look at what Maryville's done offensively, I mean, he's averaging close to 10 yards a carry. It makes sense. But I think that Maryville has plenty of weapons. Obviously not the weapons they had last year. They're not an offense that's going to score 49-50 a game on you. But they're not good enough to score 28-30 on you, and Science Hill has to find a way to maybe limit that because I don't know that Science Hill can get 30 against this, again, not as dominant defense as they were last year, Marable, the but they're a very solid bend, but don't break defense this
3: year.:
1: Yeah, I would say they're not as dynamic 20 to 20, but I would say 20 on to the end zone. Uh, this team's—they—they uh, they just know where to be, know how to knock it down, and—and and in a lot of cases, know how to turn teams—turn uh, teams over. I—I I, I can count—I can count on. It takes both hands to count the number of times they've either—either—either either, either picked it off or forced a fumble inside the five-yard line.
4: Yeah, I just think we've got course, we got weapons all over the all over the place. Yeah,
1: they're—they're they're a turnover machine. But—but but Troy and, and Carson too. Step in here. Uh, what other games kind of? Are a little, uh, I would say not, not necessarily intriguing. Cause I mean, I think it's playoff time. They're all kind of intriguing, but the games that you're like, that's a pretty tight week, one matchup. Any of those kind of step out at you?
2: Um, I think there are two that look out to me. I actually just did a, uh, I actually just talked with W.A.T. about this. I think that they're really looking at Claiborne and Pigeon Forge, which I think is an interesting matchup. Uh, for me, I want to see what Central looks like in these playoffs. I think they're obviously not the same Knoxville Central they have been in years past, but they get a tough matchup with, I think, Morristown West might be East. I know it's a Morristown. Um, and I think that that's you know, not an easy game for Central to win. I mean, I think that they do win it, but I want to see what version of Central this is. If this is the two-time defending state champion, Knoxville Central, or if it is a team that's pretty much just going to hand it over, hand the torch to Powell and West. Knoxville West, that is.
1: Yeah, it's Morristown East that's taking on Knox Central. I think that's a really good dynamic because, you know, it's 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 one thing to get to an 8-2 record in the regular season, that is Central with the new head coach. But it's another thing to be able to navigate and push yourself to a to a – to a, a championship in the playoff, kind of a win-or-go-home scenario. Uh, I like that matchup as well. i tell you one that I'm looking at, and I'm like, that's just a that's a sneaky, heavy week one matchup, and it's Bradley Central at Farragut. Yeah, that's one I like start. that matchup.
4: Yeah, I had that start too. I think both those teams, uh, with Marvel playing both of them, I think we've seen both of what they can do. I think they're evenly matched. I think this is going to be a good game.
2: Also, keep your eye on Greenback Unaka. I mean, it's kind of in, in this area. I know Greenback's had a very tough year this year. COVID and replacing Braden Carnes and Holden Willis over there. But they beat Naka 51-3 in the first round last year. If there was any team that they could draw here from that other region that gives them a chance to reach the second weekend, this is it. And I, I really do feel like Greenback will advance to see uh, the second round. And from there... Uh, Greg Ryan's a fantastic football coach. They seem they seem to think that that their best has not shown yet. You get you get you don't eliminate Greenback early, and they might cause some problems.
1: Yeah, I think anytime you let the Cherokees get off a full head of steam, it's a it's a fun thing to watch. They've graduated a lot of kids from last year's team that, that made their run, but I think this is a team that's grown a lot over the last ten weeks. You know, minus COVID, they've still been able to practice in some in some regard. So I think this may be a team that's fresher uh, than the team they're playing, and I think they could have some opportunity to win. I think that's a good call, Troy. But uh, I'm excited about this weekend. I think, you know, there's there's a certain – I don't know. There's a certain aura with playoff time. It's, it's, it's win or go home. And and you know of course the the teams that we're covering that that have opportunities to move forward, uh, they haven't went home this early in a long time. But you know that that uh, that mantra has a has legs has a heritage all its own, and uh, you just want to live up to that moment. But uh, two good matchups, I think. I think Alcoa has hosted uh, this first round for, lord knows how long. Marvel's done the same thing. Uh, but it's just a, it's going to be a good. Uh, fall night, earlier start time, seven p.m. start, and you can uh, you can actually catch both of those games uh, right here on in Blunt Broadcasting, whether it's in this studio or the next.
2: Yeah, I, I love the seven p.m. kickoff as a, as a print journalist. Not to worry about deadline as much. Uh, it, it, it's a wonderful time, and it, and you're right, Wayne. We haven't there hasn't been much where you have to worry about Co or Maribel or even Greenback losing this early. But you never say never. And I, I, Derek always talks about this whenever I talk to him about streaks and whatnot. A lot of times you take things for granted because these programs have been so successful for such a long stretch of time. And it only takes one overlook, one misstep for you taking that moment for granted to be the end of your season. And I think that's part of the reason why Maribel and Alcoa do so well in these early postseason games is because they know that. And don't overlook their opponent. They take care of the business,
3: and then move on.
1: Absolutely, absolutely, and that, and and you know tradition, fundamentals, things like that keep you going. But but Troy Carson, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention uh, Heritage's opportunity. They were going to play Clinton this week. Uh, that actually got canceled based on a on a COVID situation. Uh, hate that for those kids because last Friday night, you know the scoreboard didn't re- didn't reflect. But I thought that was a that was a heritage team that really battled the, the Rebels last, last weekend. You know, they they didn't show up on like again, the bend but don't break, but they could get to the twenty quicker than a lot of teams that, that the Marivals played
2: this year. I hate it for those kids because anybody who has watched Heritage play one game, scratch that. If you've watched Heritage play one drive of football this year you know immediately how much better they have gotten as a program from this year to last year. I know that even then, you know, they've maybe given some games away uh, this season that they probably felt they should have win. Um, they are arguably, if games at least in the playoff hunt, and actually play Friday instead of that game that was scheduled for Thursday and then got canceled. But I think those kids, and especially those seniors, they deserve one last game for everything that they've been through in their careers. I mean, darn, they've lost 25 in a row. Uh, So to be able to come back and have that one last game on your home field, I think would have been really special for those kids. And to have that kind of taken away from them, that's 2020, isn't it? Yeah, Yeah, it
1: seems like 2020 takes more than it gives, but... uh... But I'll, I'll say this, I'm excited about what Friday night looks like. I'm excited for local area teams. I'm excited for some Knox County teams to show up and show out. I think Powell's going to have an opportunity uh, to make some noise deep. I think Elizabethan's still a super strong team there in 4A. Uh, and I think I think you look uh, around the area, there's a lot of guys or a lot of teams that, uh, you know, 2020 might be their year. Uh, they may have some, uh, some tread left on the tires based on some COVID protocol or – they may be uh, just peeking at the right time based on some uh, some delayed uh action there as we've uh, as we've kind of stunned and, and and slowed down a little bit here in 2020.
4: yeah I yeah, think I, mean, I think some of these some of these teams could come out and I think some of these teams can prove themselves in the playoffs we've seen it uh, a bunch of years now I mean there's teams that you just don't hear of much come out and they play in the playoffs so some of these teams should surprise us and uh, see how far they can get
1: yeah, watch what Troy. Watch out for Pigeon Forge. I think what Meadows does, he he knows how to get them right at the right time. And uh, I've got some uh, people I work with that have uh, have let's get it right nieces, nephews, and grandchildren that play for Pigeon Forge, and they're excited about what the uh, what Pigeon Forge could be able to do uh, in the playoffs.
2: There's one thing I've learned about this year, Wayne, is that you never know what to expect, and and if you think you do, you're wrong.
0: Yeah, exactly. I'm not going
2: to go out here and put anything on paper or say anything. It's just been that kind of year. It's been crazy.
1: I think the only thing we can say is they're going to be football at 7 o'clock on Friday night. That's about all we can say. But uh, but Troy Carson, this has been some good conversation on prep side of things. Let's take us a break, listen to our fine sponsors. When we come back, the Big Orange is taking on Arkansas this weekend. Jeremy Pruitt saw the media today, talked a little bit about – JG, the quarterback situation. Talked about getting some young guys in. Let's talk about what that looks like, and then on the tail end of the show, I want to talk about the dynamic of Jeremy Pruitt, Sam Pittman, and Jim Cheney—the the combination, the relationship that is, and what that means to this weekend. We'll do so on the flip side of the break. You're listening to the Grind 100.9 FM, 8:50 a.m. and streaming at wkbl.com. We'll be right back. You don't want to miss it. It's a pleasure. Donna Cry is my personal home mortgage specialist. MIG is rated number one in residential mortgage lenders in Tennessee. Are you considering a new home? Then use who I trust, Donna Cry with Mortgage Investors Group in Maryville. Whether you're buying your first home or your fifth, Donna will help you put your home ownership plans into action. Call Donna at 865-984-9948 or go to
3: DonnaCrye.com. MIG is an equal housing lender. Hi, I'm Bob Ramsey and I am running for re-election to represent District 20 in the Tennessee State Legislature. It has been an honor to represent the interest of Blount County in Nashville. The history and development of our community are at the forefront of the decision I am asked to make in the Legislature. Throughout my years of service, your calls, emails, and letters have played a large part in the decisions I have made. With your dedicated civil engagement and insight, I have continued to introduce, support, and pass legislation you have asked for resulting in growth and progress. There is still much to be done, especially in these unprecedented times before us. Proven leadership and know-how is imperative as we address the difficult issues that lay ahead. When I say your choice for your voice, that means I will continue to fight for your choices. I have yet to waver in my commitment to speak for all of Blunt County the best way I know how. I thank you and appreciate your support as we continue to move Blunt County forward. I'm Bob Ramsey, and I approve this message.
5: Are you looking to buy or sell a home in East Tennessee and want a realtor with the experience and integrity you deserve? Then call Tressa Lequire with Realty Executive Associates. The market is hot and interest rates are still the lowest they have ever been. Take advantage now by calling Tressa Lequire at 865-221-5610, that's 865-221-5610. With 10 years of experience in our local area, Tressa Lequire appreciates all Blunt County manufacturing employees and will work to get you the best deal and experience possible. Call Tressa Lequire with Realty Executive Associates, 865-221-5610 and let Tressa take your real estate dreams from the kitchen table to the closing table.
1: Are you looking for a place to relax and have fun after work or a place to fill the weekend fun? Check out the Party Pub in the heart of Maryville. They open at 7.30 a.m. and have daily drink specials. They have darts, karaoke, and billiards daily as well as Tennessee football each and every Big Orange Saturday in the fall. So check out the Party Pub on Ellis Avenue in downtown Maryville, a place where they treat you like family, and it's always a good time.
5: 389 7412. Also, find them on Facebook at Common Sense Pest Control. And remember, if you want bugs dead, you've got to use common sense.
1: Have you heard about or seen the Grind's brand new user friendly website? If the answer is no, I think you're kind of missing out. Our brand new website has ways to hook into the Grind from social media with links to Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and SoundCloud so you can grind it out with us on social media but if you say i don't like social media but i like podcasts we've got those too you can download the grind podcast on apple podcast and google play music directly from the website it's a one-stop shop for everything the grind check us out online thegrindonsports.com that's
0: thegrindonsports.com we don't always promise to be perfect but we promise to give you our honest opinion. This is sports radio from a fan's perspective. You're listening to The Grind on 100.9 FM, 850 AM. Rocky Top Sports.
1: And welcome back inside the WKVL studios of Rocky Top Sports. I'm Wayne Kaiser, alongside Carson Crouch and Troy Provo-Heron on the phone line as we grind it out here on a Wednesday edition. But, guys, uh, as we as we promised before the break, we're going to jump to the Big Orange. Uh, they, they've got a matchup with Arkansas this week uh, that, that, honestly, you looked at this thing. Uh, I don't know when we would have looked at this thing. Pre-COVID, uh, spring, March, whatever you want to look at it. Uh, when we looked at this, Arkansas came into, you know, this season the worst team in the SEC, losers of so many consecutive SEC games. You penciled this one in as a guaranteed win, correct? Coming off of a a good start there or a good finish, I guess I would say, to 2019, a bowl win. uh, You're like, you know, Jeremy Pruitt's kind of got this thing turned around. And, and again, I don't think that fact has been answered yet, but – Arkansas has kind of found themselves under Sam Pittman playing a hard brand of football. How has the dynamic changed? We'll start with Carson. How's the dynamic changed
4: from when the season opened to now? I think a lot of new players for Arkansas. I think uh, bringing in Felipe Franks is a big deal. I mean, he's proved he can do what he can do at Florida. Um, Tennessee's had some issues with him in the past. I mean, he's a guy that's dynamic and uh, has been able to play in the SEC ball and has played, you know, average, you could say, but he's playing good for Arkansas football. Um, Like you've said, they've went on losing streaks with SEC. They can't even beat Colorado State last year. It's a struggle for Arkansas, but they turned it around this year. I think Sam Pittman's done a great job, and it's a team you can't overlook, and we've seen that this year already.
2: Can I just keep it more simple? I think Sam Pittman's a really good football coach. X nose, I think he's a hard, tough-nosed type of guy. He gets the most out of his players, and I think that's maybe almost the exact opposite of what you've seen from Jeremy Pruitt, who has had X amount of top 15 signing classes and really been great on the recruiting trail and I mean other than that seven game winning streak eight game winning streak if you combine this year and whatnot hasn't had a whole lot of success to show for it especially when you look at that winning streak and realize that none of the teams that Tennessee beat were particularly any good um, mm-hmm. I, I think that's a, a huge difference is that they have a coach that has brought the best out of the players who play and win football games and, and I don't know that Tennessee has that guy.
1: Yeah, and and I don't know. I, I tell my wife all the time because uh, you know we kind of have these conversations, right? And I'm like, well, Pruitt had to had to work a lot of Butch out of this team. Mm-hmm. They, they had to they he had to he had to get a lot of cultural things different. I don't know that Chad Morris was necessarily a bad X's and O's guy. I just I don't think he was ready for the head guy job. I think Sam Pittman understands his limitations that he hadn't been a coordinator that he has some things that he. He maybe can't coach necessarily, so I think Sam Pittman maybe. If I had to put it in, in in a spot, I would say I think maybe he's better at letting the the position coaches coach, and that's that's what's allowing him to be successful early. I mean Troy, do you think that's that's some of it?
2: Yeah, I, I do. I I question how much Pruitt has his finger on what his coaches do. I mean, I think you look at you know a couple of weeks ago when they fired Jimmy Brumball. You have to give a guy more than, what, four or five weeks on the job to see what he's capable of. And if he's not capable of it, one, that's your responsibility. You're the one who hired him. You're the one who brought him in. And if it's not his fault why they were unsuccessful, and it's a quote-unquote philosophical change, uh, difference like Jeremy Pruitt said, then I mean, that has to be on you. I mean, that has to be something that you took a part in. I mean, there's a reason why that difference is there. And I think you kind of have to look at yourself in the mirror and realize maybe it's not the coach, I just like me. Uh,
1: well, and I think there's some truth there, but I, you know, I would also argue, uh, and again, he's got to make the decision of who to play. Uh, so maybe, maybe that that's where it's on his plate again, but. Uh, I would argue that Sam Pittman has has backed into a really good quarterback situation. I think Felipe Franks has got a uh, a renewed sense of purpose since he got replaced at Florida. He's trying to prove some things, and I think he has more tools uh, in his tool belt ba- tool belt than than uh, Jared Garantano has. What do, you, what do you think about that?
4: I, I think it's a uh, very important quarterback. I mean, we've seen uh, with Arkansas they had they went through three quarterbacks last year, didn't have one to choose from. Felipe Franks 105 for 159 this year, 1,213 yards, 11 TDs, and three picks. Uh, doing pretty well and uh, exceptional for what uh, Arkansas has seen in the past years. I think he uh, they're very excited he's in that quarterback play, and uh, the rushing game's not horrible. Um, it's, it's not the best, but it's, it's not horrible. Uh, they're still getting yards up, and I think this offense is moving this year. I think it's uh, very important that uh, Felipe Franks has stepped into this quarterback role, and I think it's ultimately huge um, for the Razorbacks.
2: Yeah, I think Felipe Franks, and again, go back to Sam Pittman, I think Sam Pittman and his assistant coaches have built an offense that is tailored to Felipe Franks. I don't think Taylor, I don't think Felipe Franks is a, a wow-me, the most talented quarterback in the no. SEC by any stretch. But you're right, Wayne. He has, some, he has some tools that if you utilize them correctly, he can be successful. And he's shown flashes of that while he was at Florida. He's obviously been very efficient this year at Arkansas. And and I hate to keep bringing it back to Tennessee and feel like I'm bashing Tennessee, but every time I watch Jaden Tannehill play, I don't feel like they build an offense around him that is suited to his skill set. I mean, I think we've yet I, to I
1: find like what that is, Troy.
2: I, I, I think <laughs> what his I think his biggest strength is that I think he throws the ball downfield well enough, and I think maybe that plays a part in having Marquez and Jawan in years past who can go up and go get it. But I felt that that was always Tennessee's strength in the passing game was that they could throw it downfield. And I feel like Tennessee does too much this and too much that and doesn't just focus on what his strength is as a quarterback. And you're right, I don't think we necessarily have found that, which, again, I think is a problem. I think as a coaching staff, you shouldn't be able to figure out what your guy does well and what he doesn't do well and and sort that out.
1: Yeah, I think think there's a lot of – Parallels uh, to be drawn in in this in this matchup, Arkansas and Tennessee, uh, two situations that were taken over that that were maybe less than stellar. But uh, I, I would argue, uh, and, and probably not argues not the best word, but Arkansas's two victories uh, on this season, Mississippi State and Ole Miss, uh, again two teams that uh, have a hard time stopping people. And then for Mississippi State, post-LSU, they have a hard time putting points on the board. Uh, I see Arkansas, uh, again, they're a team that plays tough, and I think sometimes uh, Tennessee, if they get punched in the mouth, they don't respond well. We've seen that. But I think coming off of a bye week, I hope Tennessee, uh, again, like you said, Troy, has been able to tailor something to who we're going to have at quarterback. There's been a lot of discussion as far as that. That dynamic, Jeremy Pruitt talked about some even spread of reps based around uh, Jared Garantano being dinged up, mm-hmm. uh, and, and I'm kind of interested in what what was the the damage there? Did they did they put him live during a practice or what caused that? But I think I think you're going to see a different looking, maybe simplified version of Tennessee's offense built around Ty Chandler, Eric Gray, and uh, and very. Uh, let's just say completable passes, uh, very efficient, short, and like kind of a small ball look at things uh, to go against Arkansas.
2: Yeah. yeah, I mean, I mean, at what point in Jared's career has he not been doing? So, I mean, for the most part of his career, he's been one with the turf, <laughs> right? Um, and so I, I feel like that is Jeremy Pruitt's way of saying, hey, we don't really have a quarterback right now, and we're trying to figure it out. And, and that's okay. I, I think anybody who has watched Tennessee play this year would probably say the same thing. They don't have a quarterback. And so you try and figure it out. Um, but it, it goes without saying, this is a game Tennessee has to win. I mean, you, you mentioned it at the beginning of the segment. We're, we're talking about before the season, this is the worst team in the SEC. And Tennessee is has all this hype coming into the year. They're a top you know, 20 team entering the season. And obviously Arkansas has kind of played above that level that people assumed they were. And Tennessee has played well below the level people assumed they were. Uh, This is a must-win for Tennessee. If you go out here and lay an egg against Arkansas and lose, I think think everybody's butt gets a little hot after this one if they lose this game.
1: Yeah, Carson, I think think Troy's on to something there. I I don't know that it's necessarily like Uh, you know, kind of pack-the-bags kind of situation. But I think it's look long and hard at every facet of the program and make something happen. That's why, I, you know, I project uh, if Garantano is your starter, Mm -hmm. uh, his leash will be amazingly short. Uh, I think there will be a second guy to come in.
4: Oh, we've seen that. And I think uh, Troy made a good point earlier. I think with the wide receiver, I talked about this last night on my podcast, and I think the wide receiver game in the past, we've had Juwan Jennings, Mark West Calloway. We've had guys that can go up and get the ball. We've seen it multiple times. I think this year Josh Palmer, Brandon Johnson, they've done a really good job of going up and get the ball. We saw it twice in the Georgia game with Josh Palmer snagging those balls out of the air. And I think, yes, I think Garantano has been more better throwing down the field, but I think what he's best at and what we're going to have to keep him at is just throwing these short little routes to get our guys open. He has been dinged up in the past because our offensive line has had so many injuries here in the past, and we, had, we he's just not been able to get away from pressure. His running game has not been the best ever. So I think we're just going to have to look at it, and I think, like you said, the short leash, it's just going to have to be that way if he can't do what we want him to do.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think he's had a short leash most of his career, especially <laughs> all of last year The short leash. I mean, make one mistake, and and so I think that has to be the way it has to go. Um, I think Jarrett knows that's the way it has to go. You can't just keep sending a guy out there and have him play the way he did against Kentucky. If you do that, you might not win a game the rest of the year. And if that happens, I mean, it's obviously sayonara to a lot of people.
1: Yeah, I think so, uh, Troy. If you if you've got to make a change at quarterback, do you go with Brian Mauer, who has some level of game experience in the Southeastern Conference, or do you roll the freshman out there and uh, and hope for the best?
2: I, I go with Harrison Bailey. You have to know what you have in that kid um, before next year, because Ken Salter comes in. Um, you know, I think his mobility would add a completely different level of you know the dynamic to this offense, but. You have to know what you have in this freshman kid. I mean, I, you kind of know what you have in Brian Marley. You kind of have a fragile guy who can make some big plays. That he also makes some bonehead plays. I, I think he's kind of—I don't want to say—I don't want to compare him to Brett Favre, but he's kind of Brett Favre in a way.
1: Never, where, never seen you know, a receiver gonna, he can't hit.
2: <laughs> yeah, he, he's going to do some really stupid things sometimes. And you know what? He might just make a miracle every once in a while. Um, I think you have to see what Harrison Bailey has. And if you're not willing to see what Harrison Bailey has this year, when it kind of seems like everything you thought you had before the season has kind of been flushed down the drain, I think that speaks volumes to what you think about Harrison Bailey uh, going forward with for the program.
1: What What do you um, – I think there's two key cogs that, that should force the quarterback change. It's either the first turnover – If it's by by a poor decision or, or, you know, kind of a sack, strip, fumble type situation. Or, and this one's maybe – this is a lot of the reason why I don't coach football if we haven't scored by the end of the first quarter.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, this offense is just – it's so – it looks good sometimes, right? And then sometimes this looks really, really bad. And I I think you're right. I think there has to come a certain point where if you're not producing, even if it's not with a turnover, you might have to make a switch. Um, Because what other choice do you have? Like we said, I feel like this is maybe not a must-win game for Tennessee, but it's as close to a must-win game as you can possibly get for a team that's kind of staring 500 in the face. Um, And so if you're a coach, what other option do you have if you get off to another slow offensive start and and Jarrett's not – producing at the level you need him to produce understanding
4: yeah i think uh, i agree and i think you can't you can't keep him in First, second, and third quarter, and then make a change. We got to make a change as soon as we don't think he's going to play well. And I think I agree with putting uh, Harrison Bailey in there. I think we got to get as much experience if we can with him as we can get if we want him to be our future. And I know we got Caden Salter coming in next year, but I think putting Harrison Bailey isn't going to hurt us. It probably will be better than what we have now, if I'm being straight up honest with you. And I think sometimes our running game looks really good. I think sometimes our offensive linemen can push around. So if the passing game's not working with Garantano, we usually go. With that running game, we saw it in the Kentucky game where we hand, handed it off ten times, scored. So it's just it's just a thing we have to look at, see if uh, Garantano can do what he can do. But if he's not producing, like he said in the first quarter, at least we'll take him out.
1: Yeah, I, I, here
4: here's my dynamic. I, I think you know,
1: and and I may have even said this already earlier in the show. I think a loss to or a loss to Arkansas means more than a win against Arkansas. It's just you. You're you're expected to beat Arkansas, so it's really just a you're going to put a number in that left column of your record. But if you lose to Arkansas, then the 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 motor starts running. The 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 negative, the boo birds, if you will, will start chirping, and uh, and then it's going to be really hard uh, for this team to gain any traction. I say Harrison Bailey over Brian Maurer because here's the deal: you you uh, once you take JG out. Again, he he's probably going to relegate to your backup role. I still think he's probably your guy to check in uh, if there's an issue or if you know if Harrison Bailey for you know all all we hope not, but if he gets dinged up, Brian Mauer, albeit I love the way he plays, I like the gunslinger mentality. I mean, he's kind of a rock'em sock'em robot. I mean, he's one hit away from the head popping up. Yeah, and uh, yep. I I just don't think that's what you need in there. You don't need a game plan for that guy for three plays into the game, you're, you're starting somebody who didn't see many reps this week. So I think we'll see what that looks like. Jeremy Pruitt tried to talk it away in the fact that, you know, we're just sharing reps to see what we've got, what we're doing. But I think, honestly, he's preparing for a change, but he's going to give JG, and whether it's right, wrong, or indifferent, he's going to give him every opportunity to win the job. And I just hope it's not too late before he pulls the trigger on on changing something. We may have lost Troy. That sounded Maybe. like Troy went bye-bye. Yeah, it did. But anyway, I mean, I think there's a lot of different ways that's a negative, but uh I think there's a lot of different ways that 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 Jeremy Pruitt can attack that. It's just a matter of about whether he can get it back on the on track. Hey Troy, we got you back. I'm back. I was like, Why "We made Troy back? mad. Look at that." <laughs> <laughs>
2: but you uh <laughs>
1: But uh, no, I, I was, I was just saying, you, you know, I, I think, I, I think Jeremy Pruitt, and and he's, you know, and and I try to, I have orange glasses. I know we talked last week, Troy. You're a hurricane fan, so you know where yeah. I'm coming from, right? No, but yeah, I but very uh, much know you're coming from. but but what I'm saying is, I've got orange glasses, and and I want to think that that he's just. Jeremy Pruitt doesn't have a ton of experience being bad. Let's just be honest. Yeah,
4: I mean, Florida State,
1: Alabama. Well, I mean, even his high school time, he was at Hoover High School. He was at all these places that were very successful. He goes to Alabama. He's been at Florida State. He's been at Georgia. I mean, honestly, 9-10 wins with Mark Richt was as low as he got prior to Tennessee. And I think that plays a point in his uh, his, – I don't want to say his connection, his approach is probably a good word, to – letting his seniors be seniors but I think at some rate JG's a good dude he practices well but he's not your guy and he's not your future and so you got to make a change do you think there's some of that uh, not you know uncharted territory Troy for for Jeremy Pruitt or do you think this is just uh, just bad decisions
2: uh, I definitely think there is and I, look it's a year where eligibility doesn't count right so it's essentially a free season for all these freshmen and and Like you said, you're in a position right now where whatever you thought you could do this year, it's lost. I mean, you lost to Georgia, you lost to Alabama, you lost to Kentucky, which, I mean, essentially is the dagger in this season. Uh, I don't think there's any coming back. I don't think there's anything other than beating Florida that's even salvageable at this point. Um, So at this point, you turn to your freshmen. You know you don't lose a year for them. And you just say, let's do what we have. Yeah. And if they play well, then, okay, we can use that guy in the future. And if they don't and they don't pan out, okay, well, now we need to figure it. Now we know what we need to do going forward. And so I feel like at this point, that makes the most logical sense. And if I was playing NCAA football 14 and I was leading my own franchise and doing the same thing we do.
1: Absolutely, which I I don't know that it would have taken this long, but I I agree with you. (laughs) But uh, (laughs) Troy, Carson, let's take our last break of the day, listen to our fine sponsors. When we come back, we're going to continue to gnaw on this Tennessee-Arkansas matchup. We're going to talk about something that's a little, to me, I think is a huge storyline that I haven't heard a lot talked about, Jim Chaney and Sam Pittman's relationship, the success they had at multiple programs and how that relationship could impact how Barry Odom calls the defense this Saturday. We'll talk about that on the flip. You're listening to The Grind, 100.9 FM, 850 AM, and streaming at WKVL.com. We'll be right back. You don't want to miss it.
5: with Realty Executive Associates 865-221-5610 and let Teresa take your real estate dreams from the kitchen table to the closing table.
3: Buying a home is one of the biggest financial decisions you will ever make and it can
1: be overwhelming but Donna Cry at Mortgage Investors Group is committed to a pleasure, Donna Cry is my personal home mortgage specialist. MIG is rated number one in residential mortgage lenders in Tennessee. Are you considering a new home? Then use who I trust, Donna Cry with Mortgage Investors Group in Maryville. Whether you're buying your first home or your fifth, Donna will help you put your home ownership plans into action. Call Donna at 865-984-9948 or go to donnacry.com. MIG is an equal housing lender. Got golf iguanifarmsgolf.com 970-7132 have you heard about or seen the grind's brand new user-friendly website if the answer is no i think you're kind of missing out our brand new website has ways to hook into the grind from social media with links to facebook twitter instagram and soundcloud so you can grind it out with us on social media but if you say i don't like social media But I like podcasts. We've got those, too. You can download The Grind Podcast on Apple Podcast and Google Play Music directly from the website. It's a one-stop shop for everything The Grind. Check us out online, thegrindonsports.com. That's thegrindonsports.com.
5: 865- 389-7412 also find them on facebook at common sense pest control and remember if you want bugs dead you've got to use common sense
1: custom shirts vinyl decals and all things custom printing that's what night shift printing brings your way if you need custom printed accessories check out my man jacob carter of night shift printing you can contact them direct 321-6845 or via email at nightshiftprinting@gmail.com. at gmail.com that's K-N-I-G-H-T shift Printing at gmail.com check them out on Facebook and Instagram you don't want to miss it it's well worth it
0: got something you're grinding on give us a call at 865-983-4310 now back to the grind with host Wayne Kaiser 100.9 FM 850 AM Rocky Top Sports
1: And welcome back inside the WKVL studios of Rocky Top Sports. I'm Wayne Kaiser alongside Carson Crouch and Troy Provo Heron as we are grinding it out here on a Wednesday edition. Guys, uh you know, I tell you, if anybody listens to the show, they're they're like, Man, armchair quarterbacks, huh. We need a few more of those. But you know what? I think we, you know, we are we are very Uh, passionate i feel like carson and i are are very rabid tennessee fans and troy is the voice of reason he brings us back down because he actually i mean he he doesn't he doesn't have those orange glasses well his orange glasses are hurricane orange not not tennessee orange wow it's
2: not as nice an orange i will say that tennessee orange is a better orange
1: i agree pantone 151 (laughs) but uh but let's talk a little bit about what i what i kind of alluded to as we went to break i think a big dynamic in this football game because one i just think barry odom's really good he's a really good defensive mind he's another one of those that that couldn't get out of his own way wanted the defense to be strong and basically told the offense to take care of itself uh he has done a really good job uh I guess kind of stopping people or adjusting and making good good adjustments and he had a history at Missouri of always having Tennessee's number so I'm I'm nervous that the combination of, of Barry Odom and his Tennessee uh, I guess knowledge and then Sam Pittman's understanding of what Jim Chaney likes to do I think that's a dynamic that's undersold this week yeah I mean Wayne I'll
2: be completely honest with you if Tennessee loses this game, which I'm, I'm at like a 40-60 like a on that. I, I think they're still the favorite, but I, I don't think it's as guaranteed as it once was. Um, if they lose this game, that's going to be the reason. Um, Tennessee's offense just is not very good this year. Uh, we've talked about that for probably the last 20 minutes. Um, and Sam Pittman knows Jim Chaney's offense. And he has a very good defensive coordinator who knows how to counter that type of offense if he can give him kind of a glimpse of what they're going to do. Um, I think that's a, a really big problem that Tennessee has to try and solve. They have to kind of figure out that Rubik's Cube. Um, and if they can't, it's going to be a really a, another really long day for Jerry Gantano. It's going to be another really long day for whoever replaces him at quarterback. It's going to be a long day for Eric Gray, Ty Chandler, all the receivers. I think it's something that they have to figure out a good game plan this week, because if they don't, and it's just the same old vanilla stuff they've been running for five weeks or so, yeah, it's it's not going to be good.
1: I think Carson, that that's another reason why I, I'm pro Harrison Bailey, mm-hmm. and the reason I say that is is. Barry Odom can't plan for somebody right, they don't have right. film on. I mean, you you can plan for high school film, but I just don't think that's probably very smart. And Barry Odom's probably smarter than that. But also, I think Jim Chaney's got to dig into that bag of tricks because Sam Pittman was with Jim Chaney at Tennessee. He went with Sam Pittman to our, or he went with Jim Chaney to Arkansas. He went to Pitt with with Jim Chaney, and then he went to Georgia with right. with Jim Chaney. So I think he, if you talk about you know ebb and flow. Uh, that they finish each other's sentences. I mean, they're they're a match set, if you will. They've separated now, and I think Jim Chaney's got to understand that and know that he's going to have to break some tendencies that probably for the better part of the last 15, 20 years – has been what Sam Pittman knew to do.
4: Yeah, I think what also helps out is we've seen Barry Odom, too, uh, at Missouri. He's been the head coach. We know what he runs, and we've done pretty well versus Missouri in the past years. And Felipe Frakes on the quarterback side. We've seen him at Florida. Maybe we can have a couple things we can get on him. But I think it helps when Jim Chaney has been with Sam Pittman. It helps to see these coaches. And helps to see what they run, but like you said, bringing in Harrison Bailey, I think, could be a big deal because they don't know what to go against him, and he's a guy that's very talented, and one of the best QBs in that twenty, um, when that twenty twenty class. So it'll be exciting to see. What do you think, Troy? I
2: just, I just feel like for me, and you know, we talk about this offense a lot. The best part of the offense for Tennessee is its offensive line, and obviously. This is Jim Cheney's offense, and when you look at Jim Cheney's success as an offensive coordinator, who coached his offensive line? And it was always Sam Pittman. I think Sam Pittman's going to have a way to kind of exploit the way that Jim Cheney utilizes that offensive line tends to strengthen his offense, and I think Tennessee's going to have to find a way to either adjust to that or have, have an answer pre- beforehand, because I if Tennessee's offensive line is essentially um, nullified, it's going to be an extremely long day, like an extremely long day. Like Tennessee's not good enough to where its offensive line can't play well and it's still productive. It's just not, and so that has to be the basis for their success. And if Tennessee is able to take that away, oh boy.
1: Yeah, but I do think the best thing that's happened to Tennessee is the way they played against Alabama. I thought Tennessee was able to open some holes for for Ty Chandler, Eric Gray, and and honestly, uh, they sh- they put on film that they can do that. Uh, I don't think I, I don't think uh, Arkansas is going to bring the the caliber of linebackers no, and and edge rushers enough. that Alabama had. And honestly, from a Barry Odom perspective, I don't think he has the 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 you know uh, that the Shane Rays the 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 level of player that he had in those heydays of uh, of Missouri defense.
4: Yeah. Yeah, uh, definitely not. Uh, no, no. I think I think for sure it's going to be something we have to take advantage of. But yeah, if that offensive line doesn't work, the running backs aren't going to be able to do anything. Uh, whoever's back at quarterback is going to have a hard time doing anything, and we've seen that, and it's not it's not worked out well for us. But I think our offensive line should handle business, which hopefully can open those holes up for Eric Gray and Ty Chandler because this defense, I believe, they'd be able to run pretty well on. Hey, uh, guys,
1: in the immortal words of uh, of John Madden. Uh, the team that scores the most touchdowns will win this football game. Yeah. Uh, I think uh, I sure. think that is a, a very true statement. And honestly, uh, Tennessee has been uh, inconsistent enough that we don't know what we're going to get. We yeah. can only hope. Uh, but I think Arkansas, uh, uh, they pretty much are what they are. Yeah. Uh, I think you got to understand uh, where their strengths are and where they've got some gaps. And you've just got to try to feel your playmakers, Eric Gray, Josh Palmer, uh, and, and company, just insert name here, uh, and you got to fill some of those voids. But uh, Jeremy Pruitt also talked about, uh, and I think this was a little bit of muddy the waters uh, of what you're going to expect from Tennessee in the fact that he talked about possibly playing some young guys at key positions. I thought he mentioned guys like D. Beckwith, which I think is a, he's a freak athlete. And then he mentioned uh, a good local product in T. Hodge, wanting to get him involved in the offense. Uh, I, I'll tell you this. This side of Alcoa Highway would light up if T. Hodge Turned hit the, the field against oh, yeah. Ar- Arkansas.
2: And he's, he's kind of the one thing missing in that running game, right? Because you look at Ty Chandler, you look at Eric Gray, you look at Jabari Small, they're all kind of more elusive backs. Yep, so I think so. he kind of brings, obviously, whenever you're talking about a 230-pound running back and anybody who's ever watched T. or like stood next to T. Hodge, and it was just – how like a brick house he is, Um, he would bring a little bit of thump in that offense. And and he obviously showed that last year as Maribel went on to win uh, state championship 17. I mean, he was straight carrying dudes uh, in that postseason run last year. I've never seen a kid run with so much uh, anger, has to be the word, because I mean, it seemed like he had something to prove. Um, What was that kid kid for uh, uh,
1: Ravenwood? What was that that Reggie? Reggie, he he committed Uh, to Oklahoma.
2: yeah, I can't remember what his last name is either. But he he definitely got run over a few times by
1: T. Yeah, let's just say T had to leave his insurance card because of the damage he did uh, during yeah, that state championship bad. game. Yeah,
4: I think uh, it's huge because, like like Troy said, we have those side to side running backs, uh, those shifty guys that can get by the defenders. But then you put T in there; he he's a guy that can get those short yardage runs. He's a pull. He's a pure power back. And maybe it can work out for us. And I think with him, uh, I didn't know that at first, but uh, they came out and said he was a little banged up. So um, I think that might have been why we haven't seen any talk of him. But I think with him going to be in the lineup, I think we could use him.
2: And I don't think anybody's ever going to doubt that Teahawks <laughs> can play a little bit of football. I think he could definitely be at minimum But Jeremy Banks has been for Tennessee maybe in the last two years where you just put him in there goal line situations third and short situation have him pick up that first down pick up that touchdown just jam it in um, there that's yeah that's, you know, I, I think he has i think he has more you know dynamic ability than just that i think he's a, a pretty good all around running back as well but i think when you're talking about a 230 pound back you're talking about a guy who can get you that yard when you need that yard
1: yeah i, I know i know we, we we in in red and black country here in Maryville, uh we would love to see uh, a little T Hodge, a little 44 action uh, as we power it up. I, if it was me, you you run and and I'm again. This is why I talk about football and I don't coach football. But uh, I put Noah Fant in front of him. Have you ever seen Noah Fant oh, in person? A hey, big dude. He is a monster. I think he he's been a lot of things. He's been a fullback. He's been a tight end. He's been he's been everything for Tennessee because they can't. They can't find a spot for that athleticism. And I, I'd put him in as a lead blocker, put T behind him, and just call it the power T formation and just pound it in there. You can put that on the T-shirt. I mean, I'm a marketing guy. I can, I, yeah. I could sell it.
2: I think T, in all actuality, with the way this offensive line plays, we talked about it being the strength of this team. I think T would be a perfect fourth down – a fourth quarter running back for Tennessee. Because you, you make a defense have to – Contend with that offensive line and have to chase around Eric Gray, Ty Chandler, Jabari Small for three quarters. You're going to be tired, and you know what you don't want to have to tackle when you're tired. A bruiser like T. Hodge. And it's just not something that you want when you got your hands on your knees and Tennessee just lines up and says, "Okay, good luck tackling this guy." I, I think he would be a perfect finishing running back for Tennessee, and I, I would like to see him in that role if, if Jeremy Stewart, you know, listens to this show and you know wants to take my advice.
1: Well, here's the thing: if he don't listen to it, we we put this thing on Facebook. They can share it later. <laughs> they can share it later yeah. and get it to him. But uh, but man, I think we've given a lot of different ways Tennessee can be successful this weekend. I think Tennessee uh, has the pieces, and we've talked about it. Uh, Tennessee, the way they've played, uh, you know, in comeback form against Indiana. You talk about in the first half against Georgia. There's there's been moments this season, even. When Tennessee looks like a good football team, yep. but there's been more moments of questionable. Why are they doing that? Why is he still the quarterback? I thought this was a good offensive line. All these things have been said from my living room, but, you know, I just think I, I just think we got to put it together. A bye week can do a lot of things. Can cover a multitude of sin. And we'll see if they've got it together against the Razorbacks this weekend. But but Carson Troy, we're we're right here at the kind of the, the top of the hour. Uh, it's been a fun show, man. We we run through this hour uh, when we got three guys on the on the mics.
2: Yeah, sure, Wayne. I'll see you back in the studio next week. I don't like this whole telephone call thing. I like I like being there with you, feeling the energy in the room.
1: <laughs> I, I feel it. The orange glasses you you would have been able to see through them today. <laughs> it it would have happened. Uh, yeah but uh but carson man thanks for coming in yeah, I, I know he's fun he's gonna get out of here he's gonna go uh, enjoy some uh, some he's gonna get some food lose and then some egos oh man a little plug shameless plug free shameless plug yeah but uh thank you guys for coming in always fun to talk but it's uh it's time to exit out but if you're on your way to work or on your way home take care be safe and yes grind on